Alright, so uh, this podcast does contain themes of murder and things of that nature. So if you don't like murder or crime or disappearances or anything like that, then you should probably uh, go and pick up something else. It's been two weeks since this whole thing started. It all started with the tanker accident. It was all over the news. Everyone thought it was just another oil spill. There were plenty of volunteers, plenty of people wanting to help the poor defenseless animals. Plenty of victims. Within hours of the tanker accident, it started happening. The animals had gone crazy. They were scratching and biting the cleanup volunteers. They said it was an adverse effect to whatever was in that tanker. Rescue workers were still trying to get the crew out of the ship. They could hear screaming inside, screams, to open the doors. But that's when it all went to hell, as soon as they cut the door out. There was six minutes of broadcast before it went silent. Six minutes of screaming and agony. The ship crew attacked the rescue workers like rabid baboons, breaking bones and tearing flesh. The people on the shore weren't faring any better. Those who had been attacked by animals were attacking everyone else. It was worse than any Warzone report. It was sheer brutality. And yet, the broadcast still went on for six minutes. Six minutes and then blank faces. Nobody could explain what was happening. They tried to continue with regular news. The economy, the weather, a cute human interest story. But they couldn't make us unsee what we saw. I tried to continue with my regular existence, but every time I switched on the news or walked by a newsstand, it was there. This big mystery. They had some explanations, some kind of infection, brain parasites, but it didn't matter. It wasn't an infection we were afraid of, it was them. Four days after the initial report, a state of emergency was raised, and yet... We'd all seen this before, every zombie movie ever. People didn't know who to trust. People were stockpiling food and weapons. Some tried to flee, but it seems every zombie movie was right. They didn't make it. Three days later, they arrived in my town. I expected moans, shuffling corpses, dismemberment. But that's where the movies lied. They ran through the streets, screaming. I remember running to my front door as fast as I could, locking, barricading, doing anything to make sure it would stay shut. And then I headed for the window. I was on the second story and I could see the carnage. They were unstoppable. They were aware. A group of them made their way through the building across the street. They jumped straight through plate glass windows, even the shards slicing through them made no difference. They just kept coming. My barricade wasn't going to hold. I rushed around my flat grabbing supplies and jamming them into the most secure room of the flat. I went back for one last look across the street. And I, I wish I hadn't. In the second story window, my face met one of theirs. They knew where I was. I quickly dashed into the room and locked the door. I don't have any kind of panic room or a secure basement. 
so the safest place I could think of was my bathroom. No windows, one door with a lock. I had filled my sink and bathtub full of water, so I could stay for a while. So I sat there in the dark room, with the distant screams in my ears. I began to feel like I may have overreacted. It had been two hours and still no sign of them. It actually got quieter and I thought they had moved on. Maybe I could leave the room, get to the kitchen, grab more food to wait it out. A crash came from the front door, the sound of someone running full force into the door and knocking down the barrier behind it. There was a couple more crashes before I knew they were inside. Rapid footsteps moving around the flat. A couple screams and then a bang on the wall beside me. My eyes were open to their widest. Even in the pitch black darkness of the room, another bang. And another. They knew I was there and they knew I was scared. This was the zombie nightmare I'd been expecting from the start and I had nowhere to run. There was only so much time before they would break in. I sat with my back to the door, hoping my extra weight would make it harder for them to get in. And then it got worse. Why don't you open the door? A voice on the opposite side of the door. No screams or moans, just a quiet, whispery voice. And then more of them. We've come for you. You'll be happier if you open the door. It's not so bad. The whispery voices became a cacophony of noise trying to persuade me, to break me, to fool me. I had heard that the moaning of zombies would drive people insane, but this was worse. A siren call. I sat in the darkness and hoped and prayed that they'd get bored. But they don't get bored and they don't leave. I managed to use the mirror to peek under the door, only to be greeted by horrible, unblinking eyes, blood-smeared faces, screams and more horrible whispers. That was two days ago. I don't know what to do anymore. Maybe it won't be so bad? I was adopted. I never knew my real mother, rather. I knew at one time, but I left her aside when I was too little to be able to remember. I loved my adopted family though. They were so kind to me. I ate well. I lived in a warm and comfortable house and I got to stay up pretty late. Let me tell you about my family real fast. First, there's my mother. I never called her mom or anything like that. I just called her by her first name, Janice. She didn't mind at all though. I called her that for so long, I didn't even think she noticed. Anyhow, she was a very kind woman. I think that she's the one who recommended my adoption in the first place. Sometimes I would lay my head against her in front of the television and she would tickle my back with her nails. She is one of those Hollywood mothers. Second, there's Dad. His real name was Richard, but he never really liked me much, so I began to refer to him as Dad in a desperate attempt to gain his affection. It didn't work. I think that no matter what I called him, he would never love me as much as his own child. That's understandable so I didn't really press the matter. The most notable attribute of Dad was his unmoving sternness. He was not afraid to pop his children when they did something wrong. 
I found that out before I could use the restroom properly. He didn't hesitate to spank me. Well, I'm in line, and it's because of his methods. Lastly, is my sister. Little Emily was really young when I was adopted, so we were about the same age, but she was slightly older. I like to think of her as my little sister, though. We got along better than any siblings could possibly get along. We would always stay up late together and just talk. Well, she did a lot of talking. I mostly just listened because I loved her. It was a great setup that we had. We were short on bedrooms, so because I didn't want to sleep in the living room by myself when I was littler, I had a pallet set up for me next to her bed on the floor. This is where I have slept since. But it was cool with me because I enjoyed being with her and I always felt pretty protective of my little sis. Everything changed on a horrible Wednesday night. I was at home taking a nap when little Emily opened the front door. The sound of the door opening pulled me to a state of consciousness and I walked from the room down the hall to the living room. That's when I first remembered it was Wednesday. I was never really good at keeping track of what day it was. Actually, I'll just go right ahead and say it. My sense of time was horrible, but nevertheless, I knew it was Wednesday because Emily had just come home from her church's youth group gathering. She walked in the front door and hugged me, and then was followed in by Dad and Janice. You have a good nap, Janice said teasingly as she roughed up my hair. I just shook my head away and snorted in a manner that clearly expressed that I was teasing back with her. Don't you snort at your mother like that, said my father gruffly with authority. He shut the door behind him and hung up his coat. I was clearly joking, I growled under my breath. He must not have heard me because I didn't feel him smack me. Emily then proceeded to our room and I followed. She started telling me about her day, you know, the usual teenage girl stuff. But I listened so that she would feel better. After her summary, she suggested watching TV, and I obliged and jumped onto the couch as she was going for the remote. She rolled her eyes at my little brother-like immaturity and scooted me over and sat down. The TV turned on and we watched it together until the sun went down. Emily was the kind of girl that, instead of watching cartoons and soap operas, would rather watch Discovery and Animal Planet and National Geographic. I liked those too, so I didn't mind. Actually, those were the only channels that can hold my attention. So it got late, and Janice walked up behind the sofa. Emily, it's past your bedtime. Turn off the television and go to your room. You too, she pointed at me. Emily turned off the program we were watching grudgingly and stood up. She started down the hallway to our room. As I followed, I couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't right. We went into our room and Emily turned off the light. Just as she did, I caught a flash of movement out of the corner of my eye. It was out the window, but as soon as I redirected my line of sight to where the window was no longer in my peripheral vision, what it was that I thought I saw was gone, I still remained alert for my sister's sake. I laid there in the darkness with nothing but a thin ray of light from the street lamp outside to illuminate the room. It wasn't much. Time and time again, 
I could have sworn that I heard subtle sounds just out of the window. A twig break, leaves crunching, clothes jostling. And all the while I could smell a faint stench of sweat and blood. I kept my eyes open most of the night. The sounds outside subsided and the smell left my nose. I began to feel at ease, my eyelids closed. Not long after that, I heard a very loud crash on the other side of the house. I was up in an instant. There's someone in the house, I barked, with extreme adrenaline coursing through me. Wake up, I shrilly pleaded with Emily. She did. As soon as I saw her sit up, I ran to my parents' room. Dad was dead. His neck was splayed open and gaping, his blood spilled out of it, off the bed, and onto the floor. I shouldered the master's bathroom door, was closed, and just before it, on the outside, was a man. I don't feel comfortable calling it that. It was very large and rugged. He turned around and saw me, and that's when I saw him accurately for the first time. I won't forget it. His eyes were large and beady and trapped with lust. He was styling a beard that was badly unkempt, with blood dripping off. His clothes were dirty and his face was cold. Just then I noticed the same horrid smell of sweat and blood from earlier, but this time it was overwhelming. He saw me. He saw me and grinned with a set of crooked yellow teeth. That smile threw me off. I thought that I was going to die. But then he turned back to the bathroom door, completely unperturbed by my presence. I was terrified and didn't know what to do. I just yelled and cried. I watched as he shouldered through door that was my mom's only protection. I watched as he raised the large razor that he was carrying, but had obviously neglected to use properly. I watched as he sliced a rope and, and tore her to shreds. I then heard something. The last thing I wanted to hear. It was Emily's scream coming from behind me. The large monstrosity looked up from my butchered mother and stared at my little sister. I was distraught. He stood up and quickly started walking towards us. My sis turned and ran, and I was at a loss when he bypassed me and went straight after her. Why was she still in the house? Had she not assessed the situation and run? Apparently not. And now she was dead. And I was alone. I ran after them both. I expected the man to kill her. As he had the rest of my family. But I was sadly mistaken. He grabbed her by the arm and jerked her away to make clear that he was in control. He dragged her through the house. I was making all the noise I could now hoping and praying that someone would come to my aid. He mustn't take her. Not her. As he passed me, I backed against the wall and whimpered with terror. Why? He didn't respond, except by putting his free hand on my head while Emily screamed in the other, and saying, Good boy. He gave another crooked grin, and very cold, unnatural laugh. I followed him to the door, where he dragged my helpless sister after him. He opened it, pulled her out, and slammed it shut behind him. 
I am now sitting in the house with my mutilated and opted parents, shivering and whimpering with the dismay. He's out there with her, doing who knows what to her, and I can't do anything. I would if I could, but I can't. I would chase after them in a heartbeat, but I can't. I sit here, looking at the front door. I look down at my paws. If, if only I could open doors. There was a hunter in the woods who, after a long day of hunting, was in the middle of an immense forest. It was getting dark, and having lost his bearings, he decided to head in one direction until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage. After what seemed like hours, he came across a cabin in a small clearing. Realizing how dark it had grown, he decided to see if he could stay there for the night. He approached and found the door ajar. Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on the single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around, he was surprised to see the walls adorned by many portraits, all painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him. Their features twisted into looks of hatred. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable, making a concerted effort to ignore the many hateful faces. He turned to face the wall, and exhausted, he fell into a restless sleep. Face down in an unfamiliar bed, he turned blinking into unexpected sunlight. Looking up, he discovered that the cabin had no portraits, only windows. <laughs>